I also want to welcome those of you that are visiting with us for the very first time. Welcome over in the, the venue. Thank you to all of you that serve over there and um, lead all of that. Uh, welcome to those of you that are listening online and all that kind of stuff. And obviously a special welcome to all of our, our veterans. Last night um, was much like this morning, this just front of this place, just packed with veterans and and um, I'm sure next hour it'll be the same. And all of you are uh, worth way more than that medallion that, that we gave you. Um, but it is a, a way for us to say thank you and we, we honor you. And um, uh, blessings on all of your, your lives. If you're visiting with us here, we're in a series uh, where we're going through the, the book of Ephesians. It was really a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to some Christians a little over 2,000 years ago in a town called Ephesus. And uh, here we are all these years later, and we're actually looking at studying the, that very letter that Paul wrote to Christians 2,000 years ago. Now, the, the passage that we're going to look at today, or the section of the letter that we're going to look at today, is super important. Paul's going to give us some really great information on, on the family. In fact, over the next three weeks, we're gonna kinda take a look at this one little section of, of, of scripture. Now, 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 to get us started, I, I wanna share an important verse with you that we all need to keep in the forefronts of our minds this weekend and next weekend. In fact, I'm sure I'll talk about this verse next weekend too. The Bible says this in James chapter one. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. We must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And beloved, there are three major things that, that James is communicating here to, to all of us. Number one, James says you must be quick to listen. You must be quick to listen. Now he's not talking about being quick to listen to your spouse or to your friends, or to your children, or whatever. There's certainly some application to that here, but in its context, James is talking about being quick to listen for the voice of God. Being quick to listen to what God has to say. That's what James is talking about there. All of us, those of us that name the name of Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, we all need to be quick to listen to what God has to say about us, about what God has to say about life, what God has to say about our, our families, or, or whatever. Num number two, James says you must be slow to speak. Now once again, James isn't talking about being slow to speak um, when you're in a conversation with your spouse or your friends or your family or your children or whatever. That, that there's certainly some application uh, to that here. But in its context, James is talking about being slow to open your mouth and talk about the things that are written in this book. Because the last thing a follower of Jesus Christ wants to do is somehow misrepresent what God has to say. So we're to be quick to listen to what God says, but we're to be very slow to talk about it. Because when you're quick to talk about it, oftentimes you may say things that really aren't biblical. 
We're living in a, a time when I wish more and more people would follow what James says here. More people need to be slow to speak about the things of God. Just turn on your television set on any given night and you can hear all kinds of just lunatics misrepresenting what God has to say. They, they write books, make movies. The Word of God says we're to be quick to listen to the Word of God, but slow to speak about it. Now, it doesn't say we can't speak about it. Just be very careful when you open your mouth and start talking about God's Word. You, you better know what you're talking about because we don't want to misrepresent what God has to say. And number three, and this is the critical one, James says, and be slow to get angry. Now, what's James talking about here? Well, when you hear the word of God preached, when you are quick to listen to the word of God, it's an attack on your flesh. Now, the Holy Spirit within you loves to hear the word of God preached. It, it takes it all in. It's, it's spiritual nourishment and all that. But your flesh, on, on the other hand, hates God. It, it hates God's word. It hates it when you read God's word. It, it, it just hates it when you hear God's word being preached. Galatians chapter 5 says, The sinful nature wants to do what is evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives um, us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. So there's this huge conflict that happens within your soul at times. Your, your flesh hates the Word of God, but the Holy Spirit within you loves the Word of God. And when you allow your flesh to get the better of you, you can get angry. You can get angry at what, 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 God, what God has to say. There's a lot of stuff in here that your flesh will get all wrinkled up about. And so James says, followers, brothers, sisters, you be quick to listen, be slow to speak about it, and be slow to get angry. You see, you can get angry at the Bible. You can get angry at the pre preacher. You'll get angry at, at the church. You'll get angry with God. There's a lot that's written in this book that your flesh doesn't like, you see. Now, why am I telling you all this? Well, I'm telling you this because some of you are going to get angry at what you hear in just a moment. Okay? That's just the bottom line. I know. I've already done this message once. And people can send emails real quick. I looked at the time stamp on one email that was sent to me last night. It was sent during the message. <laughs> it's too bad they just didn't listen to God's word that says be slow to get angry. Be slow. Be slow. Take a deep breath. Just relax for a moment. Just allow the Holy Spirit to move within your flesh. Some of you probably, 
When you hear what God's word has to say here in a moment, you, you may want to get up and leave. You may walk out of the venue. You may shut your laptop. I, I don't know. All I know, it's the, it's the word of God. And the worst case scenario is, you know, just sit here, just listen. And in a moment, you can get up and leave. And at least you'll know what we believe here at Big Valley Grace. At least you'll know what the scriptures teach. And um, that's, not a bad, that's not a bad thing. So with this said, I, I want to look at a few thoughts from God's word. Galatians chapter 3 says, For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ, and all who have, you know, have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There, there is no longer you know, Jews or Gentiles. There's no longer any slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ. We're all one in Christ, the Bible says. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, we're one in him. In God's eyes, we're all equal in value. Okay, God doesn't play any favorites. Romans chapter 2 says, for God does not show favoritism. In other words, God doesn't love men more than he loves women. God doesn't love women more than he loves men. He doesn't show favoritism. We're all equal in value to God, okay? Now, though we're all equal before God, we have equal value before God, we're, we don't all have the same function or, or purpose in life, right? Some people are athletic, some are musical, some are mechanical, some are organizers, some are deep thinkers, some are serious, some are more loose, some people are funny, you know, whatever. In God's uh, wisdom, God gave you whatever talents you have or abilities you have or whatever personality you have. We're, we're all equal in value, but we don't all have the same talents or abilities or, or purpose in life. Let me give you one big um, uh, illustration of that, okay? Uh, ladies, you are able to um, uh, carry children within your womb. What an incredible blessing that within your body, God, you know, uh, creates life. And you get to feel it move around. And, and at some moment, you, you actually get to give birth to, to new life. And when that new life comes out of you, ladies, God made it so that you are the ones who actually give nourishment to that new life, right? That's an incredible blessing. Now just because you get to, you know, have babies within your womb and you get to feed them at your breast doesn't mean that God loves you more than he loves men. All that means is, is that we are different. Now, the world doesn't want to recognize that. Gals, you're different. You have different body parts than we have. And just by virtue of that, God made it so that you get to carry children around. You get to feed them. But that doesn't mean that God loves you more than he loves a man. It just means we're different. We're equal in value. 
But we have different functions in life. In God's economy, we all have different roles to, to, to play. Women have a role to play in life and in marriage and in the family or whatever. Men have a different role to play in life and in marriage and the family. I mean, just by virtue of the fact we, we don't carry the children around. Children also have a, a role to play in life and in the family, right? The role that a child plays in your family is different than the role that dad plays, right, or mom plays. It doesn't mean that God, you know, doesn't love children as much as he loves mom and dad. He loves us all equally. He didn't show any favoritisms, but it's just obvious that we all have different roles and functions to play in God's economy, if you will. God has a plan for this thing called the family. He doesn't bring a, a man and a woman together and bless them with children and then say, you know, do whatever you want. No, our God is a God of order. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says, for God is not a God of disorder, but peace. It goes on to say in verse 40, but be sure that everything is done properly and in order. And we see order everywhere, right? You see order in nature. In the animal kingdom, you see order. Go down to Taco Bell, you, you see order, right? There's a manager, and then there's an assistant manager, and then there's the burrito folder guy, and then there's the, the Coke guy, and then there's the guy that cleans up. They're all equal in God's eyes, but obviously they all have different functions there. It's, it's what keeps order down at Taco Bell. Kind of makes some sense then that God would have some order within a family. Part of the reason why our country's in the mess it's in is because we've gotten away from God's order. He wants there to be, God wants there to be order in life, which means he wants there to be order in the family or structure in the family. And in our text today, God makes it pretty clear what the role of a man is in a marriage and what the role of a woman is in a marriage. Now, once again, husbands and wives and children are all equal, but we all have different responsibilities, okay? So let's read our text for today. Ephesians chapter five, look at verse 21. I think it's in your notes. It'll be on the jumbotrons. You can look at it in your own Bibles, okay? The word of God says, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. For husbands, this means that you're to love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave, him, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies, for a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. 
This is a great mystery, but it illustrates, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself and uh, himself, and a wife must respect her husband. Now, I want you to look again at verse 21. Verse 21 says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And every time I read that, I just get all goofed up. Because that ain't easy. I don't want to submit my life to anybody. And if you were honest, you don't either, do you? Submit my life to somebody else? <laughs> I want to be the boss of my own life. I don't want you telling me what to do. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. My flesh gets all goofed up when I read a verse like this. The idea that I would submit to anybody is just crazy talk. This verse makes me angry, it makes my flesh angry, so I have to be careful, don't I? I have to be slow to get angry. I, I didn't write that, you didn't write that. God had that written. That's God's word to me as one of his followers. And God says, you be quick to listen. Don't, don't, don't talk about it. Be, be slow to talk about it and be slow to get angry, Rick. It's my word to you. So you gotta, you gotta kinda take a deep breath. You gotta realize you got forces at work, your flesh. All that kind of stuff. You see, the way of Jesus is, is different. Jesus says, I want you to live a life of submission. I want you to submit to me and my authority in your life. And I want you to submit to one another. We have a hard time just submitting to God, don't, don't we, Christian? I mean, he's God. He put you together in your mother's womb. He's the one who's keeping your heart beating right now. He's the one who hung on a cross for you. And we have a hard time just doing that, let alone submitting to somebody else, another humanoid. This past week, I, I found a definition of the word submission in it. It really gripped me, and it helped me with this word. And, and that word can be a difficult word, especially in the culture we live in today. It said this, quote, a person who is submissive has the courage to give up their own rights to meet another person's need. Huh. I want you to know something, I don't have much courage. There are times when I just have none. My needs just kind of trump everybody else's needs. And I think, it's, I, I think this person's right. I think it does take courage to, to set aside your own needs, your own desires, and look at somebody else like your spouse and say, you know what? Your needs trump mine. That's hard. It's a hard thing to do. But I love that 
illustration. It puts a, a, a little different spin on this difficult word. I want you to know, in my opinion, this is the key to experiencing a great marriage or a great friendship or having a great family or whatever, having the, the courage to give up your own rights to meet the, the needs of another person, like your spouse or your children or your parents or whatever it might be. I mean, imagine if that was happening in your home. Would that make a beautiful home? Wouldn't that just be unbelievable? Probably change everything in your home, your marriage, whatever it might be. Another way of putting this might be having the ability to be unselfish in your relationships. You see, self wants to be in charge. Self wants to be the center of attention. Self wants to make sure that all of its needs and desires are, are being met. Self doesn't want to yield itself to anybody. But if you want to have a good relationship with the people around you, like your spouse or your kids or your parents or your friends or whoever, you've got to learn to be unself-ish. Because if you don't learn to be unself-ish, wow, it's going to be tough. I'm not saying you can't have a, a marriage, I'm not saying you can't have a family and all that stuff, but it sure makes it tough. And we all need to be very, you know, cognitive of our, of our self, our flesh. Because remember, it's in total opposition to anything that God has to say. You have to have the, the, the courage to give up your own rights so that you might meet the needs of somebody else. Another word, another word for this might be humility, humbling yourself before somebody else, like, like your spouse. By the way, this is exactly what uh, Jesus did. He gave up his own rights. He left the peacefulness of heaven, the joy of heaven, the, the glory and the love of heaven to come to this crummy, evil, sinful planet so that he might meet somebody else's need, yours. The Bible says, don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he was God. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling on to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and he died a criminal's death on a cross. That's how we're to interface with one another, especially our spouses, right? Now let me give you the, the one big idea as it relates to marriage, okay? Men, you represent Jesus in the marriage. <laughs> Think that one through. Oh man. But that's who you represent, guys. You thinking about getting married? You're a guy in here? Better think it through. That's who you represent in the marriage. 
God wants you to submit to him first. He wants you to yield your life to him first. And then he wants you to love your wife just as Jesus loved the church. You. And I'm going to talk more about that in a moment. God says, you, you represent Jesus, men. And you're to yield yourself to the Father. You're to submit your life to him. And then you're to love your spouse just as Jesus loved you, the church. Now, guys, you'll never pull this off, loving your wife as Jesus loved the church, unless you're in submission to God first. You'll never pull that off. And we're going to talk more about that th this in a moment. Now, women, you represent the believer in a marriage. God wants you to submit to him first. You yield your life to the Lord first. And then God wants you to submit or yield yourself to your husband as if he were the Lord himself. Now I know that some of you are getting angry. I understand. I already admitted, I, I get angry when I think about the fact that God wants me to submit my life to anybody. I understand. You and I can remain friends because all I did was just read what the Word of God says. That's all I did. And God says, be slow to get angry. Just, just relax and take a deep breath. Understand, Christian, that there's a piece of you that doesn't like God's Word, hates God's Word. Let me remind you again of our definition of submission. A submission, a person who is submissive has the courage to give up their own rights to meet another person's needs. I love what Dr. MacArthur said. He said this, and this is a quote, and this is for you men, husbands. He said, quote, the submission is not the husband's to command but for the wife to willingly and lovingly offer. Let me, let, me, let me just read that again. The submission is not the husband's to command. And we'll just, we'll just leave it there. This is one verse that, man, most men, most Christian men, haven't memorized one other verse in the Bible, but they got this one memorized. And when you see how they live, you, you understand that they haven't memorized or studied anything else because of how they treat their, their bride. But this one they got memorized. I, I've done this for 30 years here. Counseled lots of married couples, lots of gals, lots of men. It's in our DNA, I think, to have that one memorized. Right? Because our self likes it. We don't want to submit to anybody. But we want people taking care of us. Great quote from Dr. MacArthur. 
Now, ladies, the only way you're ever going to pull this off as a woman is that you have to first be in submission to the Lord. You've humbled yourself before God. You've yielded yourself to him. Because if you haven't, it's just never going to happen. This won't happen. Now, let me quickly say this. This is what your children need to see most. Mom, dad, the most important thing you'll ever do for your children is not making sure that they live in a, a big house or have all the, the right clothes to wear. It's not that they attend the best schools. It's not that they have the most current Xbox or Wii game. It's not even that, that, that they attend church or youth group or whatever. Mom, dad, the most important thing you can do for your children is to live out God's order for the family in front of them. They don't need more square footage. Kids today need to see moms and dads that are living out the scriptures in their home, what God has to say about the family, the order of the family, the structure of the family. That's what they need. Nothing wrong with having more square footage. Don't get me wrong. But what they need to see is the Bible being lived out within the, the, their homes, you see. They need to see a home where dad has yielded his life to Jesus Christ. A home where dad makes church a priority for the family over everything else. A, a home where dad treats mom as a precious jewel. A home where dad honors mom and her great role within the family. A home where, where dad puts the needs of his wife above his own needs. A, a home where mom has yielded her life to Jesus Christ, a, a home where mom honors dad's leadership within the home, a home where both dad and mom live out the Bible, you know, the whole Bible, and nothing but the Bible, you see. Beloved, this is what your, 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 your children need, but when you as a dad or you as a mom begin to allow self to creep into your life, if you're not willing to submit to one another, if you don't have the courage to give up your own needs to meet the needs of somebody else, I want you to know, it just messes things up. Mom, dad, something beautiful happens when your children see both of you living in a humble way where both of you have the courage to give up your own rights for the sake of each other. Now in our passage, for today, God shares some pretty weighty thoughts for us men, husbands. God tells us what submission looks like for a husband. Everybody look at verse 25 again. It says, uh, for husbands, this means love your wives. And I wish it just stopped there, because if it stopped there, then guess what? We, we could all send in three by five cards talking about what love looks like. But God knew us. And he said, I'm not going to leave it up to you guys to determine what love looks like. Let me tell you what love looks like. Let me tell you what it looks like. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Look, I, I know some of you have a date night. Man, Thursday night, Pastor, we go out, we go to a movie, we go eat, we have a meal. That's good. Keep doing that. 
but this is what God's word says. Take your wife to dinner. But God says, men, you are to love your wives just as Jesus Christ loved the church, you, and gave himself up for it. Taking her to a movie seems a little easier. Yeah, it does. Not that you shouldn't do it. I know people who take their wives to dinner every Thursday night and end up in a divorce. Happens all the time. Verse 28 says, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually sows love for himself. I'm not even going to unpack that one. I don't have time. That's an unbelievable thought there. In verse 33, so again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. Beloved, God makes it crystal clear here that one of the great roles of a husband, uh, God has, has given us as men, he's given us one basic huge thought here, and that is husbands are to rule over their wives. No, it doesn't say that. Husbands are to control their wives. No, I didn't say that either. Husbands are to manipulate their wives. No, it doesn't say that either. Husbands are to be a burden to their wives. Eh, it doesn't say that either. Husbands are to belittle their wives. Eh, it doesn't say that. Husbands are to dominate their wives. No, it doesn't say that. Husbands are to scare and intimidate their wives. It doesn't say that anywhere, does it? God says, men, love your wife. Three times, God says, men, love your wife. Love your wife. Love your wife. Love your wife. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, Pastor Rick, you don't know my wife. Oh, Rick, she treats me like dirt. Love her anyway. She doesn't respect me. Love her anyway. She only cares about herself. Love her anyway. She's a tyrant. Love her anyway. She's involved with someone else. Love her anyway. She's a total loser. Love her anyway. She doesn't believe in me anymore. Love her her anyway. She doesn't care about me. Love her anyway. Let me remind you of one of the most profound truths in all of the Bible. Romans chapter 5 says, but God showed his great love for you men, and that while you were a, 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 a sinner, God came for you. God showed his great love for you by sending Jesus Christ to die for you. 
Jesus didn't love you because you were good, you know. He didn't love you because you were a good guy or a caring guy, because you added something to his life or that you were obedient to him or whatever. No, the Bible says that you were a sinner and God loved you anyway. The Bible says that you were disobedient, yet God loved you anyway. The Bible says that you were his enemy, yet Jesus loved you anyway. The Bible says that you were wicked, you were a loser, yet Jesus loved you anyway. The Bible says that you didn't give a rip about God, but Jesus loved you anyway. The Bible says that you were unfaithful to God, but Jesus loved you anyway. And this is how we're to love our wives. Jesus loved you with all your crummy stuff, men. Jesus allowed himself to be hung on a cross for you. Jesus allowed nails to be driven into his hands for you. Jesus allowed a, a nail to be driven into his feet for you. And men, I want you to know, this is the standard. The nail is the standard for every man or every husband. He took the nails even though you were sinful. He took the nails for you even though you didn't believe in him. He took the nails for you even though you were unfaithful to him. He took the nails for you even though you were his enemy, you see. And now God wants you to love your wife with all of her crummy stuff. He wants you to take the nails for her. Whew. Man. Husbands, this is one of your great roles within the family. You're called by God to imitate the same sacrificial love. Once again, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave up his life for her. He gave up his life for you. He came here and met your need. He didn't have a need. We didn't even care about him. And yet there he is with nails in his hands and a nail going through his feet to meet your need. And God's word says for those of us that are males, men, men of God, the nail's the standard for us. That's the standard. And I want you to know, this isn't easy. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 30, every word of God is flawless. And I want you to know, the word of God is flawless, it's perfect. The word of God is the inerrant word of God, but it's not always easy. Sometimes the, the way of Jesus is difficult. Sometimes God calls us to do things that are difficult. It wasn't easy for Jesus to take the nails for you, but he did. If you've ever read the account in the Garden of Gethsemane, it wasn't easy, but he did it. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 9, if anybody wants to be one of my followers, you must turn from your selfish ways. <laughs> That ain't easy. As I said, self likes to be in control. 
Turning from your selfish ways isn't easy, but it's the way of Jesus. Taking the nail for your wife isn't easy, but it's what God has called every man to do. Once again, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her. Our brother Peter weighed in with these words just to kind of let you know how weighty this is. He said, in the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Husbands, honor your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, and that just simply means weaker physically. You know, men typically are, have bigger bones and, you know, we're, we're more muscular and, and things like that. But she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. And then it says this, treat her as you should, loving her the way Christ loved the church, right? Because if you don't, your prayers will... Uh, Will, will, will be hindered. That's how serious this is to God. Men, if we don't love our wives the way God has called us to love our wives, if we don't take the nail for our wife, do you realize that it messes with our spiritual lives? Our prayers are hindered when we don't treat our wives the way we're, we're supposed to. That's serious stuff. When I read 1 Peter this week, it just took me back to the, 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 the nail. Peter says, you're to, men, you're to treat your wives as you should. This is what I want to do. Over in the venue, all I want all the husbands to stand up. If you're a husband in here, I want you to stand up. Okay, All the husbands in here, stand up. Or if you're engaged. I had a lot of guys in here last night that were engaged. You're engaged, I want you to stand up. Okay? And this is kind of how I want to end. I want to pray for all you husbands over in the venue. You're standing. Maybe you're standing at home. I don't know. But I want us to say this verse out loud together as husbands. Okay, I didn't write it. This was God's word to us. And so, so together, let's just say this out loud, okay? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now here's the deal, I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna do it again. Here we go. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's, that's not easy. None of us in this room will pull it off perfectly. Nobody. Our flesh will, will at times get the better of us, guys. But that's God's word to us. And what I'm gonna do is, as you exit the, the, the venue, you exit here, guys, I, I, I've, I've got this uh, nail. We went out and bought a bunch of these nails, and they're pretty cool. And this is to be a reminder of what Ephesians chapter 5, 25 is all about. The nail's the standard. You're to love your wife as Christ loved the church, and it's nice and smooth, and you, you can use it as a little bookmark in your Bible. 
And that's assuming you're going to get into your Bible daily and it'll be a reminder to you. Maybe you ought to put it on your desk. Maybe you ought to keep it on your car, you know, somewhere where you're going to see this all the time. This is the standard. This is the standard. And here's the deal. I know that some of you are sitting here going, oh, man. Your wife's sitting next to you right now and you're thinking to yourself, man, I've just blown it. And you feel a little bit embarrassed. You feel guilty. And I want you to know something. That's okay. That means that the Holy Spirit is alive and well in your life. And, And you know, you got two options. Those of you that are feeling a little guilty, you know you really haven't been pulling it off, is uh, you could get in the car, and if you don't have any children, you could just sit in the car before you leave and just go, wow, man, honey, I, I heard from the Lord. And I, I've been loving you, but I haven't been loving you like Jesus loved the church. And I'm really sorry. And I, want, I need you to pray for me because I, I want to change. I, I want to be that kind of man. And um, what, that, that took, what, 15 seconds? That probably 10 seconds. And it'll change. It, it, it could change today. It could change your whole marriage. Just confessing it. Maybe you need to go home and say, son, daughter, I want you to know, man, I heard from the Lord today, and I got this nail here, and God just convicted me. I, I really haven't been loving your mother. I haven't been a real great example to, to you of what it looks like. Forgive me. Pray for your dad. Wow. That'd be an unbelievable moment in your home. Your, your kids already know it. Your wife already knows it. And ladies, when your husband says, wow, I've been blowing it, you know, that's not the moment for you to go, yeah, I know it, loser. You know, <laughs> been praying for you, you know. About time you got it. That, that, that tells you a little bit about maybe where your heart's at. Um, ladies, th- those of you that are here and you're not married yet, but you want to get married, this is what you're looking for. Don't settle for anything less than this. I don't care how long it takes you. You want somebody who understands the nail. You want somebody who loves Jesus Christ, is submitted to him, and will love you the way Jesus loves the church. This is what you're looking for. Hard to find this anymore in our culture. But you wait, you be patient. This, this, this is what you want. Guys, when you, as I said, when you leave, everybody's going to get one of these. Got them at all the doors. In fact, every guy in here is going to get one of these. Not, not just husbands, but every guy is going to get one of these. Let me, let, let me, let me pray, and then we're going to go out, and let's fellowship together, man, and, and man, I'm going to be out there, and I'd love to meet some new folks and, man, grab a coffee, whatever. We're going to have some time just to hang out and and be together here, okay? Father, thank you, Lord, for these men that are standing. The the, the thought that you've given us that we represent you in a marriage is just overwhelming. 
We're, we're, we're to love our women the way you loved us. <laughs> oh, God. May we be a group of Christ followers that stay yielded to you. <laughs> because if we don't, there, there's no way we pull this off, God. Lord, may this simple little nail be a, be a reminder to us of what our role is, what our responsibility is as men, as husbands. Give us a great time of fellowship now, and I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all of God's men said, amen. amen.